When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. listening to the international hit show the baby names podcast and here are your hosts the moss sisters i'm jennifer moss and i'm mallory moss and we're the founders of babynames.com and we are sisters too uh yeah show about that (laughs) (laughs) so says the dna yeah all right, so our first segment is always interesting names we found since the last episode, and I get to go first this time. I saw a first birthday lawn announcement, you know, those huge signs that people put on their lawns. This one it displayed the name as, I'm going to spell it first, D-E-apostrophe-A-R-R-E-A. Probably pronounced diarrhea, but unfortunately spelled out, to me, it just looks like diarrhea, Ooh. and... Yeah, a lot of people were commenting about it online. And since this is our episode on name conflict, I can't believe that this got by. Like the parents, the friends, the family, the hospital, then the state name registration. And nobody said anything? Or maybe they did and the parents just went with it anyway. I don't know. But my recommendation would have been to spell it D-E apostrophe A-R-Y-A or A-R-I-A, the way Aria is usually spelled mm-hmm. and I don't think that would have been so bad. What do you think? Yeah, it it didn't look immediately like diarrhea to me, but it looked like diarrhea and I still got rhea and I think you're right. I mean, if they wanted it the aria sound in there, then they needed to spell it like that. Yeah, I'm I'm not a big fan of that one. I came across a rare Finnish version of Jacob, and that is Jakobi. It is my opinion that if people want to spell things differently, look at old ways of spelling the same name. Look for traditional ways of saying it. You know, Jacob means supplanter, and so does Jakobi. What I like about it is it's an elongation instead of a shortened form. But there are several short forms of the name, like Yak and Cope or Kopi. Yak. Yeah. Yak. Like Jack. Yeah. Kind of cool. So the topic of the month is name conflict. Boom, boom, boom. And there's so many forms of name conflict that we've discussed here and there in our past episodes. But one would be like, let's say the two expecting parents are brainstorming names or what we call name storming and there can be some visceral reactions to some names because of your personal name association right mm-hmm. yeah like exes or co-workers that you don't like or even co-workers that you do like but you don't want them to think you're naming your baby after them because it's right. just a little weird right kind of on the odd <laughs> side yeah yeah um we have come across when one parent isn't actively participating in baby naming mm-hmm. so somebody comes up with the names 
and the other person just has the veto power. And that can get really frustrating. Yeah, we never suggest that. Yeah, if, if both parents aren't participating actively in suggesting some names, then it's, it's just like a one-sided thing. And usually you cannot come to a conclusion because it's just like throwing spaghetti against the wall. In other words, you don't know what's going to stick. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Just wanted to clarify, Jen. And um, then we've dealt with people who contact us in a frenzy, panicked, because the baby's born and it didn't have a name, probably because of some kind of name conflict. What I usually did at that point when I was doing name consulting is kind of rewind the situation and say, like, why didn't you get a name and what was the issue? So this all kind of goes into the psychology of baby naming. And it's just a really fascinating topic. Other types of name conflict is when you're just getting too much input from grandma or grandpa mm-hmm. or your sister-in-law. In-laws like to do that a lot. Especially if there are name traditions in the family. Right. And you don't like those name traditions, then right. they certainly can be saying, of course you want to name them. Weatherington Phelps the fifth. There you go. Weatherington Phelps the fifth. And you're like, well, <laughs> that's not really what I want to name my child. Right. Well, it's a tradition. The firstborn son is always named this name. But You know, it's up to you whether you want to break tradition or not. Do you think people say that on, like, dating sites now? What? If you (laughs) marry me, you have to name our baby. No. Weatherington George III. I think that would be kind of funny. (laughs) (laughs) I think to get attention, that would be cute. But if it was real, I'd say that would be kind of a red flag. (laughs) And then, you know, we want to talk about also changing names because one part of name conflict is name regret when you have a baby and you don't feel like it fits the baby name that you've chosen or the child wants to change their name. Like, what is your reaction to it? Yeah. You shouldn't automatically get angry. I think mom would have gotten totally pissed if we said we wanted to change our names. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, she was very big on names. Like, you could not call her Peg. No, you couldn't call her Margaret. <laughs> if you were her friend, you could call her Peg or Margaret yes. or whatever you wanted to na- call her. I remember her saying that, like, she always knew a sales call when she would pick up and say hello and they'd say, hello, Margaret. <laughs> She's like, because that's not what anybody <laughs> calls her. Because that was her, obviously, her formal name. And, you know, what's interesting is, like, personally, I knew a guy in college who I was very close to. His name was Richard. And then I kind of found him a couple years later, and he decided he was going to go by his middle name, Skylar. And my initial reaction was like, well, that's ridiculous. I'm going to keep calling him Richard. (laughs) It was like five years after we graduated. But like thinking back, that was so rude of me. Like, why didn't I ever want to call him Skylar? Because it put me out. Because I'll never remember that. Because he, you're not Skylar to me. You're Richard. Right. And it, it almost felt like if, if you make me call you Skylar, you're a different person than the person that I had all the memories with. Right. You know? Yeah. And it's just not fair because if someone has decided, you know, this is just not working for me. I want to go buy something else. 
who are we to say know, they can't? Exactly. Just because it puts us out? Right, right. And we've talked about that in other episodes, like with teachers not accepting different names and things like that. Right, right. So we have a special guest today, mm-hmm. and I'm really excited about it. Today we're joined by behavioral scientist and social psychologist Jordan Bridger. Jordan has a postgraduate certificate in neuroscience from Harvard. He is a TEDx speaker and CEO of Nudge Culture, an organization dedicated to using scientific research to help optimize human behavior. Welcome, Jordan, to the Baby Names Podcast. Yeah, thank you. Glad to be here. So our topic today is name conflict, but before we get into the nitty gritty, I couldn't help noticing that you go by two different names, Jordan Bridger and there was George Ellerick. So tell us the story behind that. (laughs) Yes. First of all, thank you both. I appreciate the hospitality. And second of all, yes, that's a very interesting story. So I was adopted at a very young age. And basically, how can I say this in a very nice way? My family put the fun in dysfunctional. (laughs) I think we can relate to that. Yes. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, about a few years ago, both of my parents had passed. And so Mm. I was kind of at this crossroads of, ironically, identity, which I'm sure we'll probably be exploring today. And so, you know, I married into a great family, great in-laws, which of course you don't really hear that a lot. Um, (laughs) Maybe it's because they're not American. Maybe it's because they're English. We have no idea. But just a really, really great family dynamic. And so I ended up deciding to take my wife's name. And I've always loved the name Jordan. Just for I just like how it sounds. Mm-hmm. And my wife was like 150% supportive. And then I went and went to my in-laws. And, they, and, and I said, can I take your last name? And they said 150%. And so it's been a very, very positive experience. And it's been, if I'm honest with you, I'm, I'm mentally, I'm still in transition mm-hmm. with that. It's gotten to a point where I can probably respond more to the new name than I do the former name. Yeah. But yeah, so that's, that's probably the quick version. Otherwise, we'd have to go into some sort of like Jerry Springer-esque background. <laughs> We've got enough <laughs> right. of that our own. Yeah. And I notice, you know, George and Jordan have the first same syllable. Yes. So it's it sounds homophonous. So it's not like you went from George to like Elliot or something yes. like that. Where where your head wouldn't turn if somebody called you that, right? No. Cuz you'll you'll hear that syllable and you'll still recognize it as yourself. Yes. Yes, yeah, and I think that's a very very good insight to how the linguistic side of names actually has an impact on who we are. I I think one of my questions I put on the list was that I I came into a situation and this, you know, my it's kind of relates to your story where an older child is adopted. I think she was seven or eight and the new parents completely changed her name and it wasn't a culture change. The child and the parents were both Caucasian. And in the interest of privacy, I'll just say something like it changed from like Haley to Emily. So what would be the ramifications of something like this? Is it a clean slate or is it adding more trauma to an already traumatic situation? Interesting. So there's actually two very divergent pieces of (laughs) research here. And Hmm. I think first and foremost is to realize that our self-concept, our identity is very much bound up in habit. 
meaning even our name is bound up in habit. All, all of the research shows that, you know, as we are growing up and as we all develop our childhood views of the world, there's a childhood development psychologist named Jean Piaget. And, you know, he says that basically by the ages of five to eight, you have your map of the world. So what that means is not only are you figuring out how to act in the world, but who you are as a self-concept, as an identity. And most of that is just habitual, meaning we practice it. People practice it with us, right? They call us by our first name. And so our identity is nothing more, nothing less than a habit. So, you know, gone are the days where we think, well, this is who I am. And we kind of do that, especially in American culture, where we almost kind of worship the idea of the person who's very locked in, right? This is who I am and this is what I do. I'm hyper-focused on this and this is my name and this is my name attached to, to this kind of actions, which bring me success. And that's the type of person that I am. Well, all of the neuroscience actually says there's no such thing as a stable self-concept. The only reason why that we even have a stable self-concept is because of the neurochemicals that reinforce us and actually uh, reward us for the habit of thinking who we are. Mm. And so when you're dealing with a huge, massive change of someone who's lived their life with a certain name for so long, and they've not only adopted to that name, but there's actually a behavioral aspect to who they are and, and how they act. It's actually referred to as the Dorian Gray effect. Mm -hmm. And what happens is you begin questioning. You end up personally going through, I guess what you can really just call nothing less than like a life crisis, right? Because you are actually now disassociating yourself from that person as if that person no longer exists or as if that person is a stranger. Like an identity crisis? Yes, oh, yes, 100%. Okay. And so that would create a lot of tension mm. because you yourself maybe be as the person going through it now might even disassociate certain behaviors that you had associated prior. And so it's like, okay, well, does that person act like this? Do I now act like that? Definitely. Um, so, you know, we also get questions from parents of, um, they have name regret. Like they choose a name before the baby's born and always there's this, well, well, what if he doesn't look like a Jordan? What if he doesn't act like a Jordan? What if it's not right? And then some parents do come to us after the baby's born and it's like, oh, I just, I don't like it. I don't like it and I want to change it. And what we usually say is like up to a year, <laughs> it's probably okay. Because like once you're two and you start your whole language thing and people are calling you that, do you think it could affect a toddler too? 100%. Now, I, but I would say it wouldn't affect them in the same way that it would affect somebody who has been called that name much longer. Right. Because again, like any habit, the more you do it, the more ingrained it becomes with your identity. And that's like, I mean, here's, here's a kind of a boring way to understand how identity works in terms of understanding it as a habit is, for example, one major reason why, according to research, people fail on New Year's resolutions is because they don't identify as that new person. They don't mm. identify as a gym goer. They identify as the person they are now who's, I've got to get up and go to the gym. I've got to, right? So I've got to make a new habit. So rather than coming from the perspective of, of being a person or having an identity of somebody who is, I'm a person who already has been going to the gym and I'm a person who just continues going to the gym. This is the same thing actually with identity. Mm -hmm. So when you're dealing with even younger, that's going to be a little bit easier because they're still more malleable, right? I mean, up until at least the age of eight, 
you're looking at a lot of flexibility. It's when they hit that eight to 10 threshold where they start actually saying, okay, this is who I am. This is how I believe. This is what I'm supposed to believe. This is right. These are my politics. This is my religious beliefs. These are my social groups. You know, this is where it, all of the research shows that it gets really solidified. And I would also imagine that there would be more of a social issue when they're older and already in school where there would be kids being like no that's not your name why did you change it blah 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 and then suddenly you know that's an issue with other children and you have acceptance as one name and then they're balking at your new name yes and something that you just said as well is there there's a lot of actual social factors in how we we really don't focus on it enough because we're a hyper individualized culture so it's like this is my name mm -hmm. but there's actually been research that if somebody has a negative sounding name that other people actually will feel and sometimes they've actually done it to the point of mris where they've actually hooked up electrodes and people have certain like disgust responses mm. towards certain names so, you know, even now when people use the word Karen or Chad, right. <laughs> and then you're going to name your kid one of those, right? So you you end up having these certain visceral physiological responses that really are just cultural and they're just cultural values, mm -hmm. yet you still have the impact of these things because these are now normalized as well. That's a bad name, you know, and another research, this is very interesting, by the way, is that if somebody did end up having a negative sounding name, there was a tendency for these people to either be involved or eventually be involved in crimes. Hmm, interesting. You know, and what do you think about the effect of, on children who are named kind of violent names like Colt or, you know, Remington could be considered violent names because they're gun names. Yeah. Or weapons. Yeah. Like I've heard chaos. chaos. Oh, wow. And like, and this is just a, a very new trend of using kind of what we call like violent or weapon names. Well, again, there is like I said, the Dorian Gray effect is where there's a physicality or there's like physical manifestations of connections to your names. And then also mm -hmm. there is basically the kind of sonorous side that you're both kind of referring to. And what's really interesting is like, for example, Maria, for some reason, is one of the, the best, most positively received names out there. Eric and Kirk, those seems to be very, very like easily rejected because they seem abrupt. And what's very, very interesting is, according to this research, there were like 500 students, right? And uh, they were they were asked to like imagine meeting a person with a warm name. And of course, like most of those names came out to like Hannah or Melody or, or Mia. Again, because they were told beforehand, hey, this is a warm name, they came in with the expectation of, oh, this is going to be a person that I want to get to know. And then they did the same thing with certain other names like males, for example, and they found out that like Howard, Lawrence and Reginald, it made these men sound more competent and smart and and self-capable. So, again, names have a massive knock on and residual after effect of how others will treat you, not just how they will see you and respond to you verbally, but sometimes even if they do anything physical towards you. So having, you know, names that might have a connection to, let's say, like cold. And this is a personal thing rather than a behavioral science thing is that I, I would definitely encourage someone to, you know, think about that, because, again, there is a social component to what your name means and to how other people are going to respond and receive that. 
Yeah, and then there's the flip side of people, you know, using like justice or beautiful or legendary. And yeah, <laughs> we call those expectation names because they're setting expectations that the person, not just the child, but the person in general might not be even be able to live up to. Yeah, no, one 100%. Because again, a name is your potential. I mean, and I mean, that that's how it was even seen in the ancient world, right? right? I right. mean, in these kind of like folk communities, people were well, in, in these very paternal societies, it was like you were named after your great, great, grandfather and then it kind of just went down from there and then your uncle and it wasn't just that you were named it was that okay you're now going to carry this name and you know it's that anticipation and like you said essentially pressure of oh my gosh now i have to embody justice you know <laughs> which might bring out a little bit of social anxiety and personal anxiety <laughs> exactly yeah so i mean there's names definitely impact identity to the point that it actually in, impacts our physiology and impacts other people and how they relate to us. So should a child be allowed to change their name or request to be called by another name or legally change their name? Like, I think that if a child feels like they identify with another name, whether it's same or different gender, I think you should just let them be called that. Do you think that is the right way to go? 100%. And I mean, I, I say that even knowing full well that we just had that conversation about how names can impact you. Right. But here's, here's the thing we, and this is going to be extremely like a bumper stickerish, <laughs> but in one sense, we do create our own destinies in, in terms of how we allow others to define us, but also how we allow ourselves to define ourselves. Our brain is a, is very narrative based. So it's built upon and depends upon the stories that we tell ourselves about ourselves. And so if someone rejects us because of our name, there's there's actually two responses there. One is accepted mm -hmm. and, and the other one's rejected. And the problem is, is that I think a lot of parents don't teach their kids how to reject that story. Mm -hmm. We only learn how to accept whatever is given to us by others is true. And if it's a negative reaction, all we know how to do is absorb it and then repress it. And then that turns into something else later on in life, like a, like a self-rejection attitude mm -hmm. or, you know, self-deprecation. You know, they might be a stand-up comedian who makes fun of themselves all the time. This is, I think, you know, something that's important, but even living in the age that we live in now, where we have so many different expressions of gender to celebrate, well, then why not have so many different names to celebrate? Why not have many different versions of ourselves? Um, I see that as a beautiful thing. And that's, you know, my own personal kind of perspective, but I'm, I'm right there with you. Yeah, it's very similar to what Dr. Nick said, too. <laughs> that's what I was just about to say. Okay, well, why don't you say it then? No, no, it's just that we were talking with Dr. Nick about the effect that it can have on you to have a name that people made fun of, for instance, or associated with negativity. So for instance, what came up was, I remember being teased and being called malfunction instead of Mallory. That just reminded me it can have such an effect on you. And if you have the opportunity then to change to a different name, like who knows, at one point I decided I wanted to be Leo Moss because Leo was my birth son. Oh, right. <laughs> so maybe that was my experiential 
time away from the name Mallory. Mm-hmm. Now, did mom and dad let you go by Leo? They let you, right? I don't. I think they just laughed it off. <laughs> you guys mostly did with my quirkiness. Yeah, but we found a document. Wasn't it like a letter to Santa or something where it said Leo mm-hmm. Moss? I still have it, actually. <laughs> it's on my Facebook. It's what I want to be when I grow oh, up that's at, right. at school. <laughs> So you, so it was a school document that you signed, Leo yeah. Moss. So apparently the teachers didn't care either. No, nope. you have paper trail now. <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's fine. I kind of like Leo. Yeah, I think that I think it's fine, and I think that you should support a child if they want to be called something else. Well, so let's talk about some of the ridiculous names that celebs are giving their children now. <laughs> We don't know why our philosophy or theory is that they're used to doing things to get attention and or they are creative people in general by their personality. And so that kind of cross connect contributes to the fact that they probably will name their child something interesting. But then we get things like Malibu Barbie or Beautiful Zeppelin (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> or love mm-hmm. Sean, which is Sean Diddy's uh, <laughs> yes. kid. Are they just being narcissistic when it comes to that as parents? Oh, wow. So we could explore that in many different ways. I mean, the I guess if you just want to come at it from a psychological perspective, 100%. I mean, because at the end of the day, the child doesn't have as much autonomy until they're much older. And so they have to just kind of really roll with the punches in terms of what their parents name them Mm -hmm. up to a certain point in their life. And, you know, in that regard, for a parent to be like, okay, I'm going to name you Malibu Barbie, you really have to ask, what are the influences on the parent's life? Because uh, like I said, up, up to a certain legal point, the child has to accept that as their name. So then really none of that influence is coming from the child itself. It's coming from the parent or the parents who are saying this is okay. And so you really, really do have to seek out what their determining factors are, their own conditioning, their own worldviews. And like you said, some of it could be just 100% that they just want to be inflammatory. They just want to say, look at me, I'm doing this really odd thing, but hey, it's who I am. And so it's really just playing a role, but using their child as a prop to get people to actually perceive them a certain way right and so really Mm -hmm. and this is going to sound really 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 sad but in in one sense their child doesn't even need to exist in that regard because because the life of the child is only there for nothing more than to reinforce their own ego and their own understanding of how they need to feel better about themselves that's yes now that's an extreme huge large judgment and i i completely get that our our brain again sorry i know i keep saying our our brain, our brain wants to label things. And, and that's how we actually find value in things. And so that's where I would first go to is what are their values? Why do they want to name this child this particular name? Because there's either a value or a lack of a value that's actually drawing them to this particular process of naming. Yeah, that's really interesting. And I never thought of it that way. Yeah. That, that's also, it's, it's in a way signaling 
what you want people to think about you. Yes. Right. Oh, she's kooky. She's different. She named her kid Malibu Barbie. Or she's very girly or something like that. Or what was, you know, when we speak of narcissism or or maybe not even as extreme as narcissism, but just publicity, Mm -hmm. what was the name that I hated so much because it was the woman's business? Oh, I forgot. Yeah. Oh, I forgot too, Dan. But you we'll also hated up. Moxie Crime Fighter. I did hate Moxie Crime Fighter. <laughs> and I think... <laughs> and Crime Fighter was the middle name, to be honest. Like, she would only go by Moxie. You could definitely see an M on a t-shirt somewhere. I mean, that might work. <laughs> okay. You know, I think Moxie Crime Fighter grew on me. Well, you know, what I say, Jordan, is that we are now, in the last 10, 15 years, we're in a society where... Diversity is more celebrated, right? And we have bullying statutes in place in both, you know, our legal system and in school systems. Yes. So I think in that regard, parents are being a little more creative with their baby naming, whereas it was more important in the 1950s to conform and two thirds of the world had a top 10 name. Now it's more celebrated to be different. And you have more of a support system. Yes. Yeah. I mean, that in and of itself, I think, is a great take on it as well, because then that's more of a positive spin on it, I think. You know, looking at the generational constraints of living at a time where it was really like the whole country as a country was focused on a war or wars. And, you know, it wasn't really about individuality. It was about coming together and trying to band together as a society and deal with uh, social depression, you know, um, economic depression and, you know, deal with all of these, these other factors. But, you know, now that we're kind of in the, the kind of, well, post Gen X, mid millennial, Gen Z, you know, people want to express themselves. And to do so, there's already so many names that have been taken out there. They probably want to actually experiment with different things that are outside of the box that don't really, really fit the mold. And again, I really do think that there is a cultural value of individuality here that really does frame a lot of why parents do what they do when it comes to, you know, naming their ch- their uh, children. I mean, it'd be, it'd be interesting to actually follow the pattern of, let's say, like the Zulu tribe who actually don't really name their children until they're much older. Mm. And, you know, to actually allow the child mm. to actually have a chance to actually name themselves. Wow. Yeah, because each state gives you like a couple weeks. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, here in the U.S., that's just the way it is. And that is purely, I'm sure, legal because they have to start filing all the documents. They want you to pick a name. Yeah. What do you suggest when two expecting parents cannot agree on a name? Uh, I mean, you could go the old boring way of throwing them in a hat. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) I would honestly, for me, this is something that my wife and I, when we had our first child as well, and it wasn't that we couldn't agree. We just liked too many different names. And so we had to really kind of just bear down and say, okay, what is our intention here? Like what what do we see them as? But here's here's some of that, because that, that's already problematic. And I don't mean to make it sound like, oh, we had a, their life mapped out. It was more of, because names are potential or names can be potential. And, you know, mm-hmm. um, for us, it was, it was really just throwing out every name and asking why. Mm. So it was because, again, I think knowing what fuels your reasons for someone else's name, like a child who doesn't really, again, have that power or say until they're much older, 
So I would encourage people to ask why. I mean, okay. and I know it sounds very, very simplistic. And here's here's the kind of like psychology behind it. We actually have framing as well as what we run into in terms of the first piece of information and priming is really how we make decisions about ourselves and about other people. So meaning the first time we hear someone's name, judgment's already made, mm -hmm. right? And, and that'll be based upon our own past experiences. Right. And so that's why I would encourage parents to ask why, because if you're naming somebody with a name that you've had a bad experience with in the past, that's going to frame you and how you relate to your child, mm -hmm. you know? And so to me, the question why is extremely important. I, yeah. And you know, you say it's simplistic, but actually it's something I had never thought of. You always think about why you don't like a name, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? Know, oh, I don't like the name because it reminded me of my boyfriend's first girlfriend <laughs> yeah. or something, your husband's first girlfriend. <laughs> you don't always talk about why you do like a name. Often it's, I just like it. Yeah. Because yeah. it might go as far back as it was a favorite teacher or a character that you <laughs> admired or something and you don't realize it. It is true. So I like that as well. Exactly. Yeah. So Jordan. Yes. Last question. What are your children's names? If you don't mind me asking. No judgment. No, that's fine. Uh, Trinity and Elijah. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. So Eli. I love that. Yeah. I love Eli. I had a cat named Eli. Yeah. Well, they were both born in England as well. So, I mean, I'm, I'm in, we're, we're in California now, but you know, they were born over there. So. Thank you, Jordan. I really appreciate you joining us. And we could probably go on and on and on forever. And we'll definitely have you back. Thank you. When we talk about the psychology of naming, it was, I'm glad I found you. Uh, and I'm glad you found us. Yeah. Great to be here. Thank you both. <laughs> Thanks so much. Wow. I am so glad that we invited Jordan on the show because not only did he validate some of the things that we've been saying for a while, but he gave us a great new perspective on the psychology of naming. I agree. It was so interesting about what he said about needing a why for why you like a name. Because mm -hmm. how many times have we heard people say, I don't know, I just like it. Right. And there has to be a reason. It either sounds good to you or you do have an association that you don't realize you have. Right. And there is going to be a why behind why you like something. I mean, even if you can't pinpoint exactly why. I love guns. Or, or it's <laughs> feminine. Right. Or, you know, something like that. Yeah. I mean, it is going to go into the psychology of the parent on why you want to give that particular identity to your offspring. Exactly. So that's great. And um, we will put the link to Jordan's information in the show notes. So take a look at that. And we're going to take a little break and we'll be back with our responses to the latest celebrity baby news. <music> Do we don't do that anymore, do we? Do, 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 do. All right, when I was preparing this part, I realized celebrities just aren't sharing the names of their new babies right away. It has been such a thing lately, but it seems more so than usual. I can't tell you Hillary Swank had twins, no names yet, but we know they're fraternal. Actress Emmy Rossum, most notably for. Fiona Gallagher and Shameless and her husband, Sam Ismael, who created Mr. Robot. We should call Mr. Psychic. All this AI business. Yeah. Um, they had a boy, but no name yet. Not released. So I don't know. What are we supposed to dish? 
I don't know, but I will tell you that I do like Hilary Swank's new TV show. It's kind of goofy, but she, like, is a New York reporter, and she has to move to Alaska for a job, small-town Alaska, of course, and fit in. It's kind of fish out of water, but it's really cute. It's called Alaska Daily. Anyway, um, you know, as far as news of baby names actually provided – I like the one that's used by reality star and film producer Kelly Mealy. The Bling Empire star announced that she and her partner William Ma welcomed their first child on Easter and chose to name her Mealy, but all one word, M-I-L-I, Mealy Ma. And I like that she used parts of her name to create the name of her daughter, I, I just think that's very creative. And Millie, or Mealy, I don't know how she's choosing to pronounce it, is is kind of a fun and unusual name. What do you think, Mel? It is a fun and unusual name, but it's also a nickname for one of the most common names right now, which is Amelia. So I, as far as Millima or Mealima, it's cute. It's a mouthful. If it's mealy, it could be associated with the word mealy, M-E-A-L-Y. Yeah, that's true. There's a little of association there, which is kind of negative. That's true. Like mealy, yeah. mealy mouth. <laughs> yeah, mealy mouth. That's on you. What? <laughs> that's kind of an old term. Yeah, mealy mouth person, yo. <laughs> so, let's, oh, Khloe Kardashian has now hinted that the new baby's name starts with a T. Oh, the baby born last July? Yeah, so... They haven't even announced it yet? No, it doesn't have a name. It doesn't have a name or they haven't released the name? It has a name. Okay. It's a boy. It has a name. It starts with T. That's the newest information that they've shared. Triumph is terrible. You put that down as my guess. <laughs> Triumph, I would never suggest Triumph. First, it's an expectation name and it's a dog name. I'm not saying that you would suggest this oh. for them. What I'm saying is it's a guess of what they might have done. What they would do. Oh, I see. Okay. So true. Yeah. True and Trinity. True blue. True and Triumph. I bet it's Triumph. I think it's Tacky. <laughs> you think it's Tacky? Tacky Kardashian? Yeah, that's or what I think. Thompson? <laughs> tacky Thompson. I don't know. I have no idea, and I don't like teasing. Right. We're trying. Teasing it. Like, either release it or don't. But Oh, whatever. that's what you mean by you know teasing. I mean? Yeah. Not, not by teasing kids, but teasing the public with what it might be called. Isn't there, is there... Trevor, or is that a boyfriend in there somewhere? I don't know. But I don't think it's going to be that simple of a name. I refuse. Uh, Tuck? Tuck, no. Telemachus. Telemachus? That's one of my favorite (laughs) tea names. What's that from again? It's not from anything. I used it for one of my interesting names I found since the last episode because I talked to a support rep named Telemachus. Oh, okay. And then I added it to the database. So I think that's kind of cool. Okay, um, what else? What else we got? We don't don't have much. Let's see here. Gina Rodriguez's new baby boy. They named him Charlie. And the last name is Lo Cicero. So it's Charlie Lo Cicero. He sounds like a toughie. (laughs) He does sound like a toughie. Like he should have a cigar in his mouth. (laughs) I'm Charlie Lo Cicero. Yeah. Whatever. And now it's time. For letters from our <laughs> listeners. Hi, Jennifer and Mallory. 
I recently started tuning into your podcast from Pennsylvania mm. and would love some advice. I absolutely love the name Mava as a more girly version of Mave and a little bit less common. Mm-hmm. I have seen Mava on the French and Canadian popularity lists. However, on your website, you have listed it primarily as a Polynesian or Tahitian name. Would this make it strange to name a Caucasian baby? On the other hand, Mave without an A is listed as Irish. Please let me know your thoughts. Best Kathleen. Well, the Polynesian version of the name is pronounced Maeva, and I believe that's the name that is becoming popular in kind of the French cultures, Maeva. But if you're going to do Meva, which is based on Maeve, then that would be more Celtic, and I think that would be fine. You're basically creating an iteration of a name or a variation on Meva. I don't think anybody's going to confuse it with the Polynesian name. And if you go somewhere where, you know, Tahiti or Montreal, where they say, oh, Maeva. But otherwise, here in the U.S., I think people would use the more Celtic pronunciation and yeah go with that I'd say it's fine what do you think Mel I think it's fine too and I still am having trouble wrapping my head around sometimes uh name appropriation Mm -hmm. I think because we are such a melting pot in the United States at what point do we draw the line am I only supposed to use a, you know, Hungarian, Irish, Swiss, Luxembourg, and <laughs> Irish name? You know, that's a whole nother episode. And we t- we're talking about, you know, appropriation is from underrepresented and oppressed classes, right? Right. So, you know, Polynesian would be yes, because historically the white man has oppressed the Hawaiian culture. Okay. And, and took their land. However, you know, so, but I, I think... And I believe that she meant it as a form of Maeve, because that's what she said. So okay. I don't think it would be appropriation in that that regard. All right. Okay. Second question. Dear Jennifer and Mallory, I've always loved the name Casper because I love Halloween. And while Casper was the friendly ghost... Do you think that if I use the name for my son, he'll be teased because of the cartoon? I mean, it's a perfectly fine, old-fashioned English name, right? Oh, there was no signature. That was the end. Oh. Well, if you think he might be teased because of the cartoon, then he might be teased because of the cartoon. But we're of a different age, though. Like, we grew up with Casper, and is it really relevant now? It's relevant enough that it could come out again, just like we see, you know, other shows being remade. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I looked it up, and there was supposed to be a reboot. Okay. Peacock was going to have a live-action series based on the movie from, like, 10 years ago. But it never happened yet. But, I mean, I guess the question is, can you never name a child after a cartoon? cartoon. But that's not true. Look at Felix. Felix has become really popular. People have been using the name Felix recently because Felix the cat has aged out. Yes. I think that's true. And there's no association there. But Felix was much older. I think that Casper is still new. I think 
I knew enough to get teased over. But the question is, if you like it, does it matter to you whether they get teased over it or not? That's the biggest question. And really, what are they going to say? Casper the ghost, huh? I mean, like, it's, it's not a tease, you know? I like your bully voice. Okay. Okay, first of all, Casper is not an English name. It's an English name based on Kasper, which is the German-Dutch-Scandinavian form of the name Jasper, mm. believe it or not. So Casper and Jasper are have the same root. Go with Jasper. Jasper might work, but that's more that's more popular. Everyone's naming their kid Jasper nowadays, the old Twilight Twilight thing. But do you know what else I found out? What? That Casper was 12 years old when he died of pneumonia after playing out in the cold until sundown. Well, that's the saddest thing I ever heard. And that's how he died and became a ghost. I didn't know he had a backstory. I didn't know Casper had a backstory either. (laughs) It makes sense that he did. I guess. But then why didn't he go to heaven? Well, because he got stuck in the (laughs) middle world. I don't know. Okay, and on that note, ladies and gentlemen, (laughs) thank you for tuning in to the Baby Names Podcast. Our next episode is a big one because we will go over the U.S. Social Security list for 2022. Top names and names that surprise us. What do you think are going to be number one, Mal? Off the top of my head, I think it's not going to be Liam and Olivia. Really? I just, I think they're both going to change. I think Amelia might make number one. And then I think there's going to be an upset for the boys. I don't know what it's going to be. Oh, but boys take so much longer to change. That's true. It might stay Liam. Okay, guys, so tune in to our next episode, and we will discuss the top names in the U.S. as of 2022. Bye.